it doesn't make sense. And I think all of us have been fortunate enough to speak on panels and even attend these conferences. But the idea of paying for like a $500 pass to sit in an audience to think that you're going to learn about something, in my case, around the idea of like the future of digital marketing or something. And then you have five people up on stage that are like, that just say nothing for like 30 minutes. And it's like almost insane. You're like, you know, the thing about the internet is it's wide open and it's yours for the taking. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like, I haven't learned anything from that. There is so much content that is available through your podcast or through like YouTube or like things like that. If you actually want to learn about something, you can just do it for free and on your own time. The idea of paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go listen to somebody say absolutely nothing on stage because they're afraid their PR team is going to fire them. It's in, it like, it's insane to me. Hello again, my friends, and welcome. I'm Eric Jorgensen, and this podcast is never going to give you up, let you down, or desert you. This show explores technology, investing, entrepreneurship, and personal growth that will help you and the rest of humanity create a brighter, more abundant future. This podcast is one of a few projects I work on to read my book, blog, newsletter, or invest alongside us in early stage tech companies. Please visit ejorgensen.com. Today on the podcast, my guests are two hilarious and hugely successful friends of mine from the Michigan tech world. Ben Bader is the co-founder of Text From Last Night and Lafayette American, an ad agency that has worked with and won global brands and won global awards. They do some really amazing work. Check out their website. Matt Farrell is a marketing consultant, investor, and the new head of marketing at TickPick.com. Before that, he spent five years at Google in various roles. He spent most of his career in live events, sports, and entertainment. We get into some great stories about that. These guys have long been friends, and I love spending time with them. They're absolutely hilarious. A hobby that they have put together, sort of side business, is called Millie Mitten. We talk about it a fair bit. It's a thousand-mile road rally that laps all of the state of Michigan in three days. So these are big car guys. We get into some of their car picks and road trip stories. We talk about their careers, stories, and ideas from all over the place. And then at the end, we play a little game setting out to solve all the world's problems. We do some brainstorming, some innovation. We talk about movie theaters, charging networks, conferences. This podcast really leans into the fun and unstructured side of things. So buckle up, listen fast, try to catch all the quips. And I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Matt has just lost his podcast virginity. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's first podcast ever begins now. I was never here. Oh, I, th I thought He's it was already over. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done. Have you done this a bunch before, Ben? Mostly just like in my head, like walking just around, like clean, do it like. Don't you like do the podcast? Like, I mean, you're you doing just this response as... the podcast out loud while you're cleaning. Yeah. Or like singing into your shampoo in the shower. It's kind of replaced the singing for me. It's really more of yeah. like, uh, you just go through like the walk of your day of like, if someone were to ask you a question that was kind of like ram, like not rambling, like where would you take the walk? And that's kind yeah. of my podcast prep. That's fair. So you're very ready for this moment. I've been looking forward to this for like six months because the last time we three were all together was in Detroit getting dinner and I laughed for like three straight hours and I was like, 
maybe we were just a little drunk but i was like we should definitely have a microphone for this because uh, <laughs> these guys are hilarious and this would be fun to share with the world so we um, did record that, is, that i record everything it was just all on my phone but <laughs> the audio sucks but i have a full recording of there was supposed right. to be some disclosure about that then <laughs> not in michigan i don't think it was ig live <laughs> we went live the only time i've ever gone live at the lovely Sapino's pizzeria what a place yeah, that was a great night. And yeah, the invite for this was like, I mean, we took a long time to actually get this together and say yes, because Matt and I both have a lot of, we have so much going on. I mean, <laughs> we, had, we had to check the email, we had to read it, we had to call each other and say, did you get the email? <laughs> yeah, the, lo the logistics alone. Yeah, the logistics of answering the email was you know, when you asked, do you want to get on a podcast with me, Ben and I were like, I'm going to have to think about that for at least three months. And, you know, call your I, PR people, call your I mean, psychics. The lawyers. There was a lot of redlining. You have a pretty militant contract, I got to say. But, you know, I think we, I sent over my boilerplate, you sent over yours. We fight, we done, the attorneys figured it out. So I'm glad we're here. The clause about Are you regretting anything, this yet, Eric? Anything dumb that we say <laughs> was, was really particularly punitive. But. <laughs> But you got it in. This is so, all binding. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I do not know about your guys' friendship is where it began. When did you guys meet each other? I mean, college is probably the official answer in terms of where we first crossed paths. But I believe the first real hangout was we were going to... What was the show, Matt? Was it... Ryan Leslie. It was a Ryan Leslie show that was happening in New York City. And we went to the show went out after and the next morning matt was sleeping on the couch of my apartment in new york that and then out. ever since then we've, um, again, we've been friends that sounds like how you we shared a, a coconut water also. that morning and then traveled back to detroit and we got a coffee like three days later and that was that technically you're conflating two big nights the first night we ever met so the, the official answer from my perspective and, and i can only give mine not ben's we are two different people is Ben's younger brother. And I are the same age, Phil Bader, a beautiful man. And he and I met in college. And I think that was the introduction was at the Ryan Leslie show for some sort of tech conference where you were there for something. I was there just to see Phil and subsequently met you. The coconut water morning was in fact, an, what is like some charity event with Indomit where I bid on oh, an Indomitian right. suit, an Indomitian suit, oh my uh, God, hel I about a helmet, that. a signed helmet after about six to 10 beef eater gin and tonics, but things were going good. I everything felt pretty good. And so, yeah, I did not win said helmet, <laughs> but I did well, win still a be wearing it. Yeah. Some say I won the, the silent auction of a lifetime where I got to meet Ben and become his, his dear, dear friend. And forge a impenetrable friendship yeah again was, two was different people two different nights that's two that's right <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back to me now were these say. the uh were these the texts from last nights yeah this is probably this is probably in 2011 2012 is when this was all occurring that was you were like an absolute hero to my like 19 year old self when you started text from last night i thought you were the coolest individual in the world for like a, a 12 month period. And it was oh, a good 12 months. It's, it's it really 12 months. By the way, that was a past tense. I did hear a past tense in there. I thought well, you I, were the coolest person. <laughs> we have to and renew the cool. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't. We had to do this together, Eric. We had to do this together. It's going to be a little less professional, but a lot more fun, which is what this podcast is is all about. I feel like I feel like I will get the best worst version of both of you when you're together. (laughs) And otherwise, it just would feel very. I don't know. Incomplete. You two are a yin our, and a yang. Our families together. and partners would definitely agree with that. Definitely the <laughs> worst versions. <laughs> so yeah, so we, that was the that was like early. So like the, I think that was like year like two or three of the text from last night days when Matt and I met. And yeah, it was a pretty wild ride. I mean, like it was a totally different world then compared to like now people just like tweet those things and like put it on their Instagram stories. But back then it was like people really was like worried about work, finding out that they had fun on the weekends. Tell that story. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard the the text from last night story because it became like a, it was a phenomenon in a, a company. Yeah. Like, yeah, it still is a company, which is crazy. But the, uh, so yeah, so it started my, my friend, Lauren Lido and I in college became friends and just kept in touch after, after school. And in 2008, obviously, it was really easy to get a job. So I just decided, too easy, not going to get a job, going to go to law school instead. And Lauren was already a little bit ahead and she was going through 1L at the time. And she really didn't want to go to law school. So one day I went and audited the class, actually got called on, answered the question, which I had no business answering. And the professor's like, I've never even heard, seen you before. Are you in this class? And I was like, well, today, yes. And then he like let me slide, I guess. I don't know. And then we went out to get a coffee and she's like, yeah, you really don't want to do this. And I was like, well, what, do you, what should we do instead? And we had kind of gone over a couple different ideas. And she had mentioned this idea around like chronicling online anonymously the exploits and like antics of our group of friends all basically through like a big group chat. And then over a couple different meetings, like it turned into text from last night. And we just launched it like as a on Blogspot, <laughs> as easy as you could possibly do it, and then just started to like market it around, but like not very efficiently. I mean, we would go on like message boards at the time. I mean, this is like 2009, so it's like Facebook's kind of opening up, Twitter's around post-election, and everyone was starting yep. to realize there was some utility Eight there on Twitter. Yeah, it, there's no Instagram yet. So like, it was this weird thing where like people were still a little bit unsure of, you know, their parents and friends and family beyond just their classmates being on Facebook and connected with them in such a close way. And text from last night kind of was like this weird outlet where you could really let it fly. Also completely embarrass your friends. And the way we kept it pretty honest was like, we actually had people, mainly my brother, and then Lauren and myself who would read through thousands of submissions every day and then pick the 20 to 30 every day that we thought were really worthwhile of being up there. And it really blew up because it was like viral in a really organic way of people sitting around in May of 2009, studying for finals. One person got distracted and would burst out laughing because they saw a text from last night on their on their browser when they were supposed to be studying. And then it went around the table. We literally watched the analytics show the hotspots of college campuses. 
and it was all based on when we we cross reference when is their finals week and it was like it starts this week and it was literally as people were studying awesome. for finals so like it blew up at michigan state and then michigan and then had a second wave at michigan because they like got out like a week or two after us but then it went around it's, the country and then around the world and it's pretty pretty wild it's changed a bunch since then but it's still in some form you know around and it's a it's just a wild story i'm glad to be a part of it's like honest to god like a like the last moment of like narrative storytelling or like this lore of like partying without any of the like damage and danger of verifying or like vilifying the person that's having a good time via photo like you would see the area codes you're like wow this person's this area is like going crazy it almost feels like studio 54 or like this moment where you're like hearing about stories inside the party but like you weren't there and you can't see it like that was sort of this like cool moment where like text from last night allowed each college campus to sort of you'd, you'd read them and you'd be like oh my god like university of michigan is having the best time ever or you'd be like okay it goes down to the sec and you're like wow southern campuses are like way crazier than Michigan state or something like that. And you're like, you didn't need to know who it was like from, you didn't need to know the individual. You just needed to know the like lore almost, or like this like legend of like what you were doing in college or what your friends were doing post-college and just having a good time. I think of it as like a very interesting time, like period in, in all of our lives, that era. It was definitely different. It is funny to view it in the context. I mean, we've had, there were a couple of things around like, just 2009 and like the the early days of the new or like the last new internet um whatever you know web 2.0 whatever people want to are we still in 2.0 we haven't fully like we're not avatars we're not fully metaverse yet so i think we're still too but 2.5 whatever <laughs> depending on whatever build of round chrome up. says round up we round up so yeah it was this weird time where you could be anonymous, which brought a lot of definite ugly side too. And it's not necessarily like it was a better time. It was this peak into society in a way that we kind of don't have anymore because everyone is a lot more like they're still like, like I was saying, everyone just tweets these things now, but it's like probably toned down or probably not completely as unfiltered as they would be if they were anonymous only by a area code that they got from their first cell phone when they were in high school. So wherever you lived when you were 16 is where it was tied people to people who are like their party personas now. And like those people tweet about it, but it's still like, that's what was so the anonymity of it. And like the voyeurism of like, Oh my, like this is fucking either hilarious or people like these people are having a fucking great time or like whatever it is. It was just so fun to like, just get little snippets. And there's almost, you can almost get this like from 200 characters the same as twitter is like an amazing laugh or like this this sense that there's like a whole huge epic story behind it but you're just reading this like condensed hilarious like highlight version of it yeah it was it was and still is incredible i think new versions of this would probably just be a instagram account but it's incredible to see it became a decent sized business and has for 10 years now yeah. And it's funny because now I think you can do a lot with a meme and it's more about being relatable into one, whether it's like remixing one bit of a TikTok or like sharing one meme with your own kind of experience applied to it. Whereas like this was very unique vantage points of one person's evening 
And I think what's also funny about it is that like, it's not like this was just a message board where people were, I mean, some people probably were just like texting the, the short code, things they thought were funny, but the ones that we would actually get, you know, we'd get like a three, a three response little, I guess, paragraph. It's funny that, and kind of like in a weird way, like heartwarming of like, you could have the craziest thing ever, but like you were sharing it with a close friend or like with someone who like cared. And I think that it's a little bit different from the pure performance you get now online. Maybe not pure performance, but like closer to a performative act than just living. Well, it, it, not to get too philosophical about it, but like no, Matt, we need to I, we need to get philosophical. We have let's let's get in there. Let's like break. Let's really let's dive in. Let's you know. Let's get, get our hands dirty. Down. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should lay down. This is going to be a session. It was I, at least how I recall it, and maybe this is through rose-colored lenses, but it was a much more like ephemeral thing where you'd submit it in the morning, where like you would have somebody spending their night just living, like. And in, in my world, I see it from the music side, like the concert world, like being in the moment, enjoying your night for your night's sake or for the sake of entertainment, et cetera. Like text from last night during that time always felt like you would be having a good time. The next morning, you would literally read your texts from last night and submit them. And it wasn't like, I think once the brand recognition and Ben, I'd be interested to hear this for, from you. It's like, once the brand got big enough, people were probably like, Oh my God, that's going on text from last night. Like as it's happening. But the, the impetus of it was so much more just like you were in the moment. It was an ephemeral, ephemeral moment, like just fun. And I'm, I realize I'm starting to sound like an old person, like yelling at clouds a little <laughs> bit, like things are different are. now, but it, that was sort of the impetus of like its success was like, have a good time and then recall what the funny things that were the previous or, evening. Or your phone was dead by 8 PM anyway. So you just <laughs> would find out in the morning what, what was actually <laughs> sent to you the night before. That's like... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one part that everyone kind of forgets is that like phones and like web browsers sucked then. Like there wasn't a ton that was entertaining you other than, you My know, Nokia the, like, brick. And, and everyone had like four minutes of data a month, you know, and it was just like, as soon as Facebook had photos, it was like, that was gone. So it's like, you had to entertain yourself in this other way. It was, I think, you know, things like text from last night definitely did. Yeah. That was amazing. Okay. Matt, what were you doing prior to sleeping on Ben's couch while we were mutually admiring? Um, yeah. Like I mean, I'm really celebrating, like a winner. All, celebrating all of the degenerate nature of America's youth. Yeah, I had a, this is just sounding like I, I wasted away my 20s, which some could say I did. And that is an arguable fact. He was just trying to I, win text from last night. I was right there with you. It's okay. We, <laughs> I, we burned through uh, so a lot of good years. Early days in New York, I followed the route of graduating 2010 and like being like, oh, you have to like be employed. Like it was like pretty late in the like graduation process of being like, Oh, like you go to college and then like you get a job, but like that second part, like the step one was go to college. And then like step two was like, get a job. I was like late on that thing. And so I was like, I know I want to live in New York. My sister lived in New York. And so I, I popped over to New York city and, and joined an ad agency. And that was probably like the first year of my career is just like as a consumer insights and behavioral scientist at a ad agency. And then I got a phone call and this is probably when Ben and I first met was when I was at the ad agency, but I got a phone call like a year in to that world and I, it was from Google and I, I thankfully answered it and got the job. And 
popped over to to Google. And what was very funny at that time is that I think like mistakenly they were like, oh, this guy still lives in Michigan, despite the fact that I'd moved to Manhattan. And they were like, Hey, is it okay though? If you move back to Michigan, like they had no idea that I was from there, that I had family there or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. Like what team am I going to work on? And they were like music, sports and entertainment. And I was like, okay, that sounds like ideal. Like that sounds like the right job for me. Why is it in Ann Arbor, Michigan? I'm in New York city, like looking at the NBA building and they're like, Hey, you gotta go to Ann Arbor. That is the hub for live events, sports, and entertainment. And so that was sort of the first step in my career was to spend a bit of time on the the sports and music side, which has pretty much projected everything since then for for my world. You might be the only person Google has ever called to give them a job. I'm still I, waiting I, to hear I, back I, on my Google internship application like 15 years ago. I feel like some, I mean, any day now I might become qualified for. Yeah. Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn ruined that for you. I mean, the oh, longest yeah, the bar ad, is so much higher now. <laughs> the longest paid content ad of all time, the internship. Now and now you just can't get in the door. They just yeah. really showed people what it was like. A peek behind the curtain. So was that, was that experience full of like smoothies and geniuses and wonder and magic? Yes and no. Like candidly, I think if it, like with any big tech company, and that, so I joined Google in 2011. I think there was, who knows? I, I was already like every single era of big tech. I feel like you're like talking to people that are like too late. And then you're talking to people that are too early and you like squarely are in your experience. And so everybody is like, man, last year there used to be only be 200 people in this office. And like Google was like, flying everyone around the world because they were just making money they'd never seen it before and so i came over there and coming from an ad agency i have to say like my first year and a half of work was like work it was like an office and then the like opening day i go into the office they're like here's where you put your laundry and like this is how we feed you and i was like oh i'm at adult daycare i'm at like <laughs> they're gonna like carry me like i would get like swaddled i was like a 22 year old that like was in i like i like did not grocery shop for like the next three years it was like one of those weird things where you're like oh this is going to delay my ability to become an adult um <laughs> and like it's going to probably stunt me but like i think everybody says this about every good place that they've ever worked i still am very close i'm, I'm no longer with google but i'm still very close with a lot of the people there. And I would say the hit rate of really, really impressive people is probably greater than other places that I've worked in the past. There's always brilliant people within every office, but I would say like the hit rate where you're like, I'm going to go chat with this person about X, Y, and Z. You'd be like, Oh, it's about 50%. You're like about 50% of the people I talk to are like, and then you meet the people that you're like, Oh, this is who Google's talking about. Like then you meet the like, the like next level up and you're like, Oh, I'm not that good. Like you, you're like, you're like, it, it, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. I'm like, not that smart. Like that person is insane. And I get why I'm not there. Yeah. You're going to be president. Yeah. I'm out of here. I mean, there yeah. were people that you were Thank like, you. everything was stuffed into the genetic pool at that point. Like they were like, you're going to be smart, beautiful, like a very accomplished, unbelievably skilled at anything you do. And you're like, damn, you got it, man. 
I was under the impression that we only got so many like stat points and we just had to like allocate them. I didn't know that there were people with fully maxed out stat bars in life. Yeah, my NBA 2K, my player. Yes, yeah, it's the, exactly. it's the left, right, ABBA. It's that cheat code that right before you were born, somebody hit it on the Sega Genesis and you were ready to go. <laughs> Again, old. We're going to um, do it, old jokes here. So if anyone's yes, young. Only, only old jokes. If you are... <laughs> You, you identify young? as young, <laughs> not for you. A lot of podcasts uh, out there. Not this one. <laughs> why'd you leave your adult daycare? It'd be nice to get swaddled. I don't know. I don't know where <laughs> else that happens. My, my attorney, my attorney father had said the same thing. I, he was like, what are you doing? I, so I had been about six and a half years at Google. I had left the entertainment team after about three years. I got asked to join a program there called the APMMs, which is an internal marketing organization, which still exists. I think it's a little bit stripped down since COVID, but it was like top 25 marketers in the company globally. And I don't top, I don't know how they decided that because I hadn't really been doing much marketing, but we came in as a cohort for 25 people globally and you would do rotational programs, et cetera. And I realized like, yeah, I know how to sell AdWords and I know how to sell ads, but I'm interested in actually learning how to like build a product and market it. So I need to leave the sales team. I need to go into the marketing team. And that was great. And my rotational program was like two and a half years. They sent me to Japan and Jakarta and I got to travel to South America with the company. It was like unbelievable. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm Good. And it wasn't like an easy decision. I mean, like the swaddling is like a, is a real thing. And you're like, every year it gets voted the number one place to work in the like world. And you're like, I'm just not satisfied here. And it's the number one place to work in the world. And there's like clearly something wrong with me because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I just don't get it. But I, I got an offer to move out to the West Coast and, and run digital marketing for the company called AEG Presents, which is the second largest concert promoter in the world behind Live Nation. A former client of mine at Interscope became the chief digital officer and I, I got a phone call to, to come over there. So that was, that for me was like, I had been satellite, like I had been the orbit of the music industry and the entertainment industry, but I was like, all right, I refer to it as my Icarus moment, candidly. Like I was like, oh, I, it's good to be in the orbit. We can talk about AEG and all of the fun and amazing Coachella experiences that I was able to have. But like, it was my Icarus moment. I think I like flew too close to the entertainment sun for at least my liking. So I was going to say that was a lot of words to say I worked for Coachella, which is a thing that people would have understood. Yeah. Well, it's more than that, Eric. It's not just how many events a day did AEG have when you were like, how, like, wasn't it just crazy? Like 14,000, like Like, I think it was like 12,000 to 14,000 and not a day annually. Um, but like that was just domestically. We had 18 regional offices during my time. We bought Bowery Presents on the East Coast. We had Golden Voice on the West Coast. So I, then the next, I mean, Coachella certainly that's the the flagship. But it feels clean when, yeah. you, when you consider like 12,000 events and there's like yeah, 12,000 events a year. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean that's like 33 if you think about events like, a day. I mean, that's, that's easy. I mean, I could imagine. So let's think about New York where, where I live, the Bowery presents office, which represents the entire Eastern seaboard now. But at that point it had Webster hall, Williamsburg hall of music, terminal five Bowery ballroom. There's probably six more venues that they were booking. And that's like 
every single day. And that's one city that's New York. So then you have like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, like really, really great music, Las Vegas. We did residencies for share and for, it became like a really interesting agency model in a way where you're like, you know, you have 12,000 things that you're doing or your shows that you're doing every year. Each artist is its entirely unique brand. And you're trying to build a marketing strategy and a marketing plan that like fits a Elton John as well as it does a Phoebe Bridgers. And like that's, that was sort of a really fun experience to be like, what does that look like? Yeah. That seems incredible. That's a, that's a, a dream job. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, yes. And in some ways, not. <laughs> <laughs> like all dreams. Why was it Icaracy? Hey, the music industry is really tough. I mean, it's really good when people are buying tickets and when people are not buying tickets, it is, you have 12,000 events where people are calling and being like, Hey, the event's not sold out. Like for it, like as an example, so I'm, I'm, I'm consulting now and, I, and I'm actually going back into the ticketing world, the events world, um, with my next job, but I'm consulting with a content magazine, Brooklyn magazine, appropriately named headquartered in Brooklyn, New York, a wonderful borough. And they're putting on a music festival this weekend and it's got car seat headrest and it's got DJ premiere from gang stars. And it's a, it's a fun festival, et cetera. The magazine does not do music festivals. It's their first foray into promoting an event. And like, it's very difficult. There's a lot of stress. Like tickets are moving great one day. They're not moving the great the next day. The band is calling you. Why, how are we doing in terms of sale? Like you're juggling the idea of the human psyche where you're like, I think tickets aren't moving because of this, or I think tickets are moving because of that. And then you have to deal with the idea that there's like, and I'm not saying this about any of the artists that are performing, but like, there are certain artists that just put out really bad music at the time that they launch a tour. And you're like, then they're like, well, I normally play arenas. Why am I not selling arenas now? And you're like, you can't say to them because your music sucks. Like this album sucks. But that oftentimes like people just are like, oh, I don't like that album that much. Or like, that's just not the music I want to hear live. And like that, you know, it's a real experience in terms of brand management that you have to like constantly juggle. And if you're doing it at the scale at which they are, and there's some wonderful people at that business, like it's, it can be particularly stressful. I think that was the thing that I, I, my Icarus moment was the amount of stress that comes in on that. I did not know how to manage. And like, that's just like an honest statement about like how I just like could not deal with that amount of like unknown and being able to try and rationalize it. Like I just like couldn't deal with it. It is a crazy, I mean, tolerance of ambiguity is incredibly difficult. And it's like, it's something that you don't really know if you have until you kind of are in a startup or or something like this which like events i feel like are probably equally it is almost a higher cadence of like going through that uncertainty like high stress roller coaster but like you see really smart capable people who are just like i can handle a lot but like the level of ambiguity here is just like uncomfortable for me all the time and i can't live my life and i want out which is i totally get it was a combination of that and the combination of i've done my job like I, this is sort of like, I, I like, I'm like a task oriented person. And I was like, as I mentioned, there's like a bunch of different regional offices. Like the focus for me was I was all about automation. I was all about your term leverage. Let's focus on the idea of being able to scale and grow. And so I centralized a marketing organization 
of 18 different offices into one centralized team. I built that out, built out the technology and the things to support it and was done. And the next job for the next year, I mean, I think this is probably what Ben loves about agency work to a certain extent, I can assume it's like you finish the task, you get to like focus on the problem at hand and solve it. And then you move on to something new or you can maybe, you know, go incremental on it. But I had done what I came there to do. I was stressed out. I had successfully completed and planted my flag on the moon and was like, all right, I think I'm good. Like the next year in my mind was like, oh, we're just going to twist knobs like 5% or like 1% this way. And I'm like, you know, that's not that interesting to me. And and really I'd rather be on the East coast (laughs) with friends and family. Like that was like, that was like as, as analog of a decision as it needed to be. Yeah. Is that what, uh, agency life is like then? I mean, ambiguity is definitely a big part of it. I mean, I don't know which part. I mean, our experience is obviously a little bit different just from the fact that, so Lafayette American, the agency that I co-founded with a couple of partners in 2018, you know, was like a true startup. So like we got to kind of do it from the ground up. We weren't really inheriting too many other than the people who bring their own, you know, ways of doing things. We didn't really inherit any like institutional bad habits. So we got, mm-hmm. we kind of got to shed a lot of the things we didn't, that didn't serve us and kind of make it, make it our, our own. Um, but even that is like an ambiguous process, right? So it's like, what do you want it to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? And like, what's your, yeah. what is the mission? And is the mission, you know, still the mission at 50 people as it was when it was eight people around a kitchen table. So yeah, there's a lot of ambiguity, but that's part of like what I love. So like my entire life has been going to law school, probably as my lawyer dad pointed out, would have been probably not a good decision for me in the long term, just because I kind of am better at taking an ambiguous kind of thing and making it a little slightly more real, or at least trying to like focus on how to make something tangible out of mostly thin air, whether it's text messages or creative ideas. And it's kind of been been the thing that I've, by the accident of personality and preference, become yeah. pretty good at, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the guys work you guys do at Lafayette Americans is gorgeous. It's so, I'm just like skimming the website and, oh my God, you work for uh, Milk Bar. Yeah, we did some Milk Bar stuff. I mean, we've, Sick. the, milk bar the thing that's best is super good. The only bad thing about that assignment was that the mail carrier I'm not joking about this, stole the milk bar like care package that was sent to us from milk bar. That is heinous. Like we have no other way of explaining. Like it's the only time <laughs> I've ever like, like just like asked for like where a package was. And like, instead of getting the like random, oh, we'll check into it. They just said, no, we don't have that package. It doesn't exist. And we're like, no, no, no. I have a tracking number. And they're like, no, no, you don't. So it was someone stolen and, by me in like late 2019 when I left AEG, I did a short stint at the USPS, and <laughs> that was in fact very short. I went, yeah, a very, very short, short stint, and uh, deeply enjoyed their work at Milk Bar, <laughs> and I think that they've done an unbelievable thing there. The corn cookies are delicious. Our dear friend Christina Tosi, thanks for the wonderful snacks that you create. And thanks to Ben you, for creating the interception of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, oh, friend of the, that, 
that was a pretty, you know, it's funny because then we'd send them as like package or like as gifts to like other clients or friends or collaborators and they all got there. So I just feel like ours was particularly heavy and robust and someone took it. But no, in all seriousness, thank you. We, uh, we've been, it is heartbreaking. We've been, we've, we've had a really, like that was actually a pretty early project for us, which was awesome. And it kind of felt like a huge vote of confidence. And it was actually a mutual friend, Robbie Salter, who had a, like a really great company that was all about helping agencies connect with project-based work. And at the time, like we were like 10 or 12 people working out of our office in Detroit. And Robbie called me, he's like, do you, do you guys know Milk Bar? And I'm like, yeah, we know Milk Bar. But it accidentally kind of tapped into this thing that we've been kind of cultivating, which is like, we've, we all came together to create Lafayette American. Toby, my partner is from San Francisco from like DC, but most of his life was spent in San Francisco and then uh, Detroit later on. And then um, a handful of the partners are from the East and West coast. We all ended up in Michigan and a lot of them were selling F-150s at Team Detroit and GTB for Ford. And so they kind of got this unique perspective on what it means to kind of take an industry that is primarily thinking about like creating assets and creative for the coast but instead like really focusing on like what resonates in like making middle America, not a dirty word, you know, or a dirty phrase or like a less than phrase, right? Like just that, you know, there's a ton of people who just by the fact that like a lot of agencies are a little bit biased. One had like a TikTok this week that was all about like people in the Midwest shouldn't get this. This message isn't for you. And it's like, well, why why can't it be like, why can't you sell like people between like two cities on the coast? Anyway, long story short, Milk Bar came to us and they were like, yeah, we want to actually do nationwide shipping. We want to ship beyond just the cities where we operate. And part of why we won that pitch was just because of that fact that like, we know that there's a whole world between where Matt Outside lives and where Matt used to live. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Shot, shots fired. Shots fired. No shame. Like we'll talk to the coast too. It's like it's honestly no, no, in some ways easier. It's, like it's just it's. I just mean, it's funny. an amazing it's amazing failure for a lot of businesses. I feel like to be like, oh, all the big clients are here and here, like L.A. and New York, San Francisco and New York, and you're like, there are so many unbelievable businesses. I mean, Eric, you you are in quote unquote middle America right now, and the people you've had on this podcast, a majority of them don't, in fact, live in. New York or LA, like the, the conversations I've heard in the past and, and they've built unbelievably successful businesses, have an unbelievable user base or customer base and like loyal following and like a really strong brand. And I think people on the coast, maybe less so now, but I think pre pandemic probably would have scoffed at the concept of like turning a lens towards the idea of a very large swatch of people that live in the United States it's sort of like this, this very, I mean, my coffee company that I'm a, an investor in, that's like our whole focus is the idea of focusing on Michigan. Like that is the, the idea that you don't need to have a blue bottle in a San Francisco, a Los Angeles, or a New York. You can have really good coffee that doesn't exist in the like coffee flood that is New York, San Francisco, and LA, where they have like 14 roasters per neighborhood and the small coffee shop. And somehow they all still pay rent. It like makes no sense. But like there's there's space for businesses to exist between the coasts. 
Yeah, there's like uh, I don't I don't know if it's there's probably like good reasons for that between just being overrepresented because like the media hubs are New York and L.A. And so that is just like almost path of least resistance of like what gets talked about in national publications. It, it could also be like I think there's a lot to the Midwestern humility that like you unless you really got to know somebody, you wouldn't know how big or good or successful their company is because they're not driving a Lamborghini. They're still driving a pickup truck and not posting about that shit on Twitter. So it is a joy of my life to tell some more of those stories, like, or help share them in a Midwestern way. Cause you're right. I mean, for every, like, there's only one New York, but there's like 20 cities like Kansas city in Chicago and Detroit and the, and all the people who are influenced by those cultural hubs and all of the great things that come out of all of them. Like it's a big, big country and a lot of opportunity. I thought you for sure were going to say it's the joy of my life to pull up on people in a Lamborghini and stunt on them in Kansas city. I thought you that thought that's where that was going to go. Not the like sweet part. It was like, you didn't expect it, but I am going to pull up in a Countach. If, if I could fit yeah. in a, in a Lamborghini, I would. Oh, you are um, tall. You're tall. Yeah. I need a convertible, I think. And like goggles. We can do <laughs> <laughs> We can. All right. We'll compromise at a sunroof and, yeah, and one of those face shields, like sunroof, COVID face so I'm shields. Sitting I'm going to start looking for best hypercar for tall guys after this. Okay. You know, this is why it's actually an oversight of most exotic car manufacturers, most of their clientele. Uh, I think it, it's a lot of widely purported to be short guys. I don't know what well, yeah, that has tiny any. Little, the tiny little Italians, they're like the size of one of my legs. They're just titchy little guys. And you, you like, I understand, I understand that they want to build light cars. And like when a Shaq bought, Shaq bought like this purple, I think it was a Lamborghini. Like, I don't know when he was on the Lakers and he had to get it lengthened so that he could fit in it. And it was like this like half limousine looking Lamborghini. It was beautiful. I like the idea that this is the start unless, unless I've missed content in the past of Eric V Italians, the feud of of eric and then just italian guys it's like there's just some feud there i we struck a nerve there where like anyone driving a ferrari or a lamborghini he was like no you're the size of my leg would you rather fight one enormous icelandic man or a hundred tiny italians This isn't even a hypothetical. This is actually what the feud is. <laughs> this is this is actually that we have one to two weeks to prepare for this before this goes live, Matt, and then we have to figure it out. And maybe we might have to. I don't. Can we each pick the same one, or would that be teaming up? Not before the wedding. We can't fight Eric before the wedding. No, no, not no, a, not Eric. You're he's the giant Icelandic man. He's the no, aforementioned I'm, I'm, I'm just posing the hypothetical. You guys can do whatever you want. <laughs> Oh, I thought this uh, was—I thought this was part of this, getting this released, as we had to do that. I, I thought, thought that was like, to... damn it. No, it's, what's the like? It's like, would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a bunch of or a hundred duck-sized <laughs> horses? Hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. that's the meme I was going for. Neither of which is a <laughs> great idea. That, every time it gets brought up, I just a horse-sized duck is just like truly the funniest thing I could ever imagine. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's a also stampede of terrifying. tiny horses is pretty cute. Like chihuahua sized horses, just like flowing little manes. I could just punt those one after the other though. Oh, That's no problem. I think personally, problem. I, have a, I have a bigger problem with hurting small things than running or like attacking a big thing. Oh, I mean, I don't know. It's a really cute, enormous duck. 
ducks yeah. might not be that cute when they're giant. Maybe they're only cute because they they're small scale. They got teeth. They, I've been bitten by a duck. That's for a different podcast. That's for a different podcast. Coachella was crazy that year. I got bit by a Google and I got this call from this duck and it was just like, <laughs> do you like concerts, buddy? And I said, sure. On the topic of cars, you guys are both huge car guys. I did not mean to slight you if either of you own a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, and I want you to flex on whoever you want. Thank you for thinking of me that way. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> Ben and I both. Thank you for thinking that we could have those. I did. I did. Uh, I have long admired your co-pet project, Millie Mitten Millet. Millet it looks like yeah, a French word. Right. I don't know how to say it. Millie it okay, great. There's like a collab. Italians. Millie Millet. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's on right now. <laughs> going to fight a hundred, literally a hundred Italian guys in Ferraris. They are now currently driving a from, from Brescia to Rome. Brescia to Rome and back. <laughs> Eric, do I have an opportunity for you? <laughs> I feel like I'll butcher uh, Millie Mitten if I attempt to explain it. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, I mean, so Mille Milia is a race, the historical race that Mille Mitten is roughly based on and by roughly we mean it's a slant rhyme of the name and follows a similar format with you know with the same sort of concept which is mealy mitten is a three-day thousand mile road trip around the state of michigan the concept is to bring people from in the state outside of the state people that we find interesting car enthusiasts or otherwise um and, and showcase the state that both Ben and I are from and Ben currently still lives in. But like, we think it's unbelievable state that I think gets underrepresented and maybe people aren't seeing the parts of it and the various different types of scenery, the various different types of towns, the people that it has to offer and, and you know, showcase those restaurants, showcase those sites, showcase those towns that are really unbelievable. And so yeah, Ben and I started this sort of 2012, I think is what it was. I took a friend uh, around the state in, you know, three days. Ben and I met up at my family cottage up at Walloon and we kind of looked at each other and said, like, we should do this with friends. Like, it was like the perfect weekend road trip. It was the perfect experience around exploring a state and spending three days with friends. And we said, this is something that can scale. This is something that can grow. And I think it's something that we wanted to bring to people that may not necessarily have the opportunity or have even considered the idea of touring a state. Yeah. This was also one, it was also one of those rare things that like, we didn't really care if people stole the idea because we kind of stole the idea from or borrowed the idea from other things. Like, I think one of the main like hypothesis, like the main hypothesis for me was like that the all of the articles about like the next generation not caring about driving or cars was like completely off the mark. I actually just found out that like that stat that like most kids were most like teenagers or young adults would rather, they would rather give up their, their car than their phone. They'd rather have a car than their phone. But the way the question's actually phrased, it's if you had to pick either having like a car or a phone, for the rest of your life, like, what would you do? And like, everyone was just like, well, I'd have to have a, f like, it, it was like phrased in such a crazy way. And like, it's such a small sample size and it was just completely given way too much attention and uh, was blown out of proportion. So once again, sorry to the editor, we're getting off, off track, but the idea was that like, that wasn't true even before we knew that. 
and that people actually did want to go out and have these experiences, particularly around cars, and that car is so much more than a commuting device. And America and just the world is, in a lot of ways, completely uniquely explored by a car. And we just wanted to celebrate that. And so, yeah, we'll be... We ran it for six years. We actually, one of the great things about living in Michigan was we made like three phone calls, like in, in inviting people to the trip, they were like, do you want, do you want us to sponsor that? And we're like, you mean you as in like GM who you're like a junior account manager for like Buick. And like, they'd just be like, yeah, yeah, I could probably get, get you guys five or six cars. And so we had this five-year relationship with General Motors where every year we were um, introducing people from you know, all over the country to a new line of cars that were coming out. We actually ended up doing a launch of a special edition of the Buick Cascada, beautiful hardtop convertible R-I-P. that no longer exists, but not because of anything we did. <laughs> no, it, was, it, it really is sort of this like interesting concept that I think Ben and I come to cars probably from slightly different angles where and there's a lot of similarities in how we approach the car. But I think the idea of exploration is certainly a a big part of it. I think Ben probably is wearing a racing shirt right now. He has a much longer, uh, you know, love of motorsport than I do. It's been something that while Mille Mitten was happening, I I came to, and now you see F1 in the States. It's like the fastest growing sport in the country. But mine, I just vividly remember turning 16 and getting on like 90, I-94, Interstate 94, and driving like 10 miles away from my house and seeing a sign that says, to Chicago. And being like, oh my God, like you can go to Chicago in a car. I was like, and it was like, I think it was because I had lived in a, like a car dependent suburb my entire life that the idea that now I was in control of the wheel, like literally anything was available to me as long as I could like keep the car on the road and like have, and like the car in a lot of ways represented freedom. Like I could just go anywhere. I could explore anywhere. It was like the radius of opportunity had expanded so much larger than what was formerly on my 15 year and 11 month experience. Like I now had like, the map of the video game had revealed itself and I was like willing now to explore. an entire hemisphere. Yeah. With yeah. this car. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, not to say that we had ideas of grandeur to, I mean, as Ben said, we did it for six years. We probably had 200 plus people come on the trip, some returns, some repeats, some crowd favorites that came back every year. But a lot of people that were from out of state, a lot of people that were in state and truly had never explored their own backyard. Like, I think that we were trying to instill in some ways, like the idea of exploration and wonder and like Michigan was the natural jump off point for us because we knew Michigan, like Ben and I would go drive. There'd be like weekends where Ben would call me when I was living in Detroit and we'd be like, Hey, so let's go up to Northern Michigan for the night, come back down then like go up to the UP the next day. And then like come back down. We were like commuting across an entire state just because we loved the idea of driving that much. And then like, that was a really cool opportunity for us to explore that and scratch that itch. My car flexes. I, when I, in like 2012, I had a 911, I had a problem with it and brought it into the shop and they said, you know, Hey, 
let us know if after like a thousand miles, if it gets any, if it happens again, or if it gets any worse. And I was like, cool. And I showed back up two days later. I was like, yeah, I think I have the problem again. <laughs> you were just like, you drove a thousand miles. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's a whole, I went and just checked out a few places up North and it was beautiful. You want to see pictures? And I'm just like showing them pictures. And it's like, they lived here their entire lives too. And like, hadn't been to the places that I was like showing them. And it was just like normal cities. It's just, it's amazing what, it's amazing what each state and like, it's true, honestly, from like Indiana to like Ohio is more beautiful than people realize, you know what I mean? Like Pennsylvania is beautiful. Like there's so much, you know, even between I've, I've driven up and down the East coast a handful of times. And like, I'm always kind of blown away by everything that's really not that far from major metro areas. And you just can't really access it unless you have a car, but it becomes more fun when you have friends doing it in their cars and you get out and you take pictures and you stop and you do it's just something that I think we'll always continue to do in some form. And while like our list of people, like the people who come on, on ours is kind of now like just a, a smaller group of friends. If you email us and want to go around Michigan, we'll send you the route. Yeah. And Michigan is extremely, extremely beautiful. Northern Michigan is a very a well-kept secret and great roads. And yeah, th there's something I think when I mean, the great American road trip is a, a thing and it's even more a thing in, in Michigan. That's, when we grew up, like that was family vacations. It was like, you know, everybody pile in and drive 12 hours. And like, yeah. And, and it's, it's funny, like over trip. COVID, that whole thing like blew up again, right? Like, so everyone yeah. realized like, you know, national parks had like record attendance. I think it's going to go the other way where everyone already, according to Instagram, is already back in Europe and like doing three week, how do you afford this European vacations? But like, I think it's always going to kind of swing back to like, what's in the backyard, what's closer, what's not like the one of three or four hot cities in America or, or globally. And there's always some kind of give and take with those two areas. I also think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens just from like, I mean, I'm a, like as Matt kind of alluded to, like I'm hopelessly into cars. And I think there's two things that are really interesting that are going to happen in terms of road trips in just in general. One is, you know, you saw this spike of people who have been buying kind of like future collectibles or current collectibles of cars that were built in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s that are masterpieces in their own to their, you know, whoever is in the eye of the beholder or whatever. And people who are now fixing those, using those more often is kind of the the age of, you know, whatever, whatever side of the gasoline debate you're on. Like, it seems like that's kind of not days are numbered, but like days like this with gasoline, even though it's expensive, available every like half mile is probably not going to be the case in 20 years. But then also you have this emergence of EVs and like all the work that's going into making this charging network better and better and, and kind of, you know, catching up to, and in some ways, like thinking around different solutions from what Tesla had. And I think that the types of road trips and the types of trips that you'll be able to take by car in the really near future are going to change for, I think the better, and it's going to be really interesting to watch how that evolves. So yeah, if there's if there's another evolution of what Melee becomes, I think that's definitely something that Matt and I are going to end up exploring. But I think just enjoying everything that you know is currently out there while it's uh, there for the taking is something we plan on doing, and encourage everybody to do the same. Really, I didn't plan. Yeah, that. I mean, I just thought that was that kind felt of a really thing good. That needed, that, to, needed to be said, you know. It felt good. The, the National Driving Association owes me a check. I don't know if that exists. <laughs> You just but, like hit uh, every like of the big three slogans. You're like, 
open roads. You're like, he was like at the end, he was like, and can we cut in for our partners at Ford Motor Company? And then for our good friends at Buick, yeah. Alexa integrated now and Nissan find your roads. I think we're done. I think we did. You guys got <laughs> the audio still good. We're just, we're yeah, just keep yeah. cutting. Just, I'm going to just cut. Always. Eric, who's your, who's your automotive sponsor? I'll cut it right now. I'll do it okay. live. I would really like to be sponsored by the electric Hummer. I have a, a just a strange Ooh, the like crab eight, walk eight year old. You're a big fan of the crab the, walk. Yeah. For the crab. I mean, if you put like, yeah, the immigrant song, if, if your car has like a trailer with Led Zeppelin in the background, like I probably want it. And if it goes sideways and up and down and like there's a lightning behind it, I definitely want it. Yeah. The best part about Did you that want ad an is... original Hummer? Like were you a yeah. Hummer like fan in the day? Like the original H1, I kind of I always thought two it'd be, or three. I always thought it'd be cool to restore like a military surplus Humvee and do like matte black jacket. Like I don't have no love for like H2s or threes, but like mm -hmm. I really liked the originals. Yeah. There's a company in Michigan called Millspec Automotive that does like full blown restorations on both military and like civilian Hummers, but like they make them into like just like bomb rocket not bomb proof. <laughs> not yeah, like either a rocket ship or like just like a super solid like luxury experience. It's nuts, but yeah, this I just pulled up the website. You would fit too. Bonkers. I like that, Ben. You like kind of like you like made sure that you didn't say anything that was like not technically correct. You were like, they make like a bomb proof, not bomb proof. <laughs> like you were like, were like, do not go over a bomb, but they are good. <laughs> I love that us like disclaiming that like a military Humvee can't go over bombs, which it turns out is true. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, starting at three hundred and thirty k. Yeah. So, but like, so instead of the McLaren of with instead of the stretched McLaren that you were going to get anyway, Eric, that's you true, know, yeah. it's, it's ask for the this, deposit back. And the, yeah. <laughs> 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 and the best part of it is like, you know, you, uh, you valet it and there's no one else with one. That's true. This is sick though. I mean, there's like, yeah, look at these like plush dashboard, everything. This thing's amazing like quilted oh leather and like it's not i mean i think yes, that's a big that's thing too. a lot of for. a lot of people are like you know realizing that their car more than ever is their avatar if you live in a city that needs one and i think that like the fact that a lot of people over the pandemic didn't have to commute every day and got to choose like a more interesting day-to-day -day car because they were only like going down the street to like the grocery store you kind of lose a lot of like the appliancey cars a little more quickly so it's, it's it was cars and furniture it was like cars and furniture it was like more people got into cars and more people got into design than ever like every single person now knows every single oh like some design reference from b b and b italia 1970s italian design and you're like you bought like an ikea poeng chair like two years ago and now you have like a tobias scarpa full living room you're like what the hell just happened in the course of a pandemic where everyone went to like art school or like started restoring a car and you're like all right like these are the two things i spend my time in is my car and my house and so that's all i need to know and it just depends on which TikTok you forwarded to a friend first Right. And then you get into that, that hole based on that algorithm. And you're like, oh my God, now I've learned everything about B&B Italia from. Yeah. No free old will, time. algorithm. I've still, still no TikTok. Old head, full disclosure. I'm still, I'm holding off 
And I'm just trying to, as a marketing person, that's a, not something I will cut that. We'll cut that in post, but, uh, I'm holding out, I'm holding out on getting into the TikTok wormhole of content. It's the American thing to do. It feels patriotic to not download TikTok. Like, I don't know what China's doing with it, but it's not helping us. I salute the flag every time. The stuff I'm watching can't be helping them. (laughs) There's nothing they're learning from me. That's that important. I promise you. They're, they're like they like they're like damn this guy's like this guy's messed up like don't we're not gonna go over to ben's house like he's watching like we can't get a hold on there's not a person on earth that's like this man no one watches this type of content in rapid succession that's what you really want to do you want to break a content like recommendation engine for a tech company because you're such a confusing human in terms of the content that you consume that the company's just like we don't know like here's a here's- picture of a dog this is a thing that I have been thinking about a lot lately, and it's what is like the path of least resistance to change your algorithm to something that you're more interested in. Like, say you want to get into fly fishing, but I want to turn the internet into like I want to make the internet actually work for me again. You know, like what do I have to do? And Matt, I'm say fly fishing because I know you've you've dabbled. What? stores do i have to go to and like add something to my cart but then leave so i get that like so it starts to chase me around and then like they start selling that data to someone else and they're like hey heard you like fly fishing like do you want to get in this email like an email newsletter to sign up to a podcast to listen to a couple youtube videos to watch and like three things to google and one thing to almost buy like what's the sweet spot of that that will like make the internet go to work for me to make a hobby happen and, and Eric, just a quick context setting. Uh, ben and I are openly pro take as much of my data as possible so that you serve me the best information about me. Both I advertisers. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we should have uh, put a big, I should have just have like a sign above me that's just like everything's for sale. We're pro Facebook <laughs> pixel being good again. And mm. no, I, there is yeah. a part of me that is like, I do believe in the, the potential myth, but also the like promised land of, like there is an ability to recommend those things at a better rate or like, and also I no longer am interested in this. How do I remove this from my content stream? Like, like I bought, I, it. I bought yeah. the thing yep. or, or <laughs> I I, I'm a golden state warriors fan sports guy. Uh, and they won the national championship yesterday. That is giving some people who are going to listen to this in a couple of weeks uh, a little bit of context of when we're filming this. But and it gives them context there, of when Matt became a Golden State Warriors fan. This yesterday morning. Because <laughs> 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 I was at dinner and then I opened my phone and I was like, oh, they won. Oh, Drake has an album. But they're done. So like, I don't need, to, I, like, there's no more game tape that I need to watch. Like, it has reached its point of like, the time for me to watch basketball is now over at least in terms of that setting. And this is maybe a bad example because people like to watch it, you know, going into the for into the forefront. But like, if there's a season for something, like I don't need to watch ski content in the summer. Yeah. Like I'm not watching skiing content in the summer. There should be some algorithmic understanding of like, Hey, you're leading up to this hobby season. Hey, you're leading up to this sort of like, there's something new coming out around the thing that you're fascinated by. And is there the ability to demonstrate or like launch that information into the consumer facing profile? I trust you guys as the advertisers to know that, right? Like you guys ramp up like ski stuff in the fall and I don't know, you spend your budget when, when the thing exists. Right. Yeah. And that's totally 
true in terms of like an ad, but yeah. I think it's more like the, the thing that like I was, I was talking to a friend about like, you know, everybody right now is really interested in, in taking on TikTok. And I think that the thing that TikTok does so well, probably too well, and probably knows, you know, some things about me that I don't want to know about myself <laughs> is just how that, how the algorithm is able to kind of think a couple steps ahead or at least like rapidly test what you might like. And it's like, as advertisers, we're always like thinking, okay, people are probably going to start thinking about back to school in the beginning and like end of July, like, sorry, kids. Suddenly you start getting that priming the pump and getting that out there. But in terms of like content that you're getting served or like, just like what my explore page on Instagram says, it's like, I want to be able to, um, and, and like to some extent, like these tools do exist, but like, I always felt this weird, like, you know, when the new iOS came out and like everyone turned off their tracking across apps. And then all of a sudden it was like, why am I getting belly fat ads again? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I getting like, not to pick on belly fat, ads, Pres- but like, why am I getting, drugs. you should see yeah. my belly. Why are we getting like these ads that are kind of like really generic or like yeah. ads that you would get in like daytime TV that have no. Yeah. nothing that would even like remotely be close to what I'm interested in. And I think the ad experience is something that can actually add a lot to a platform. And I don't think that, I think that like tracking and like selling data became uh, just way too messy and people just kind of lost sight about like what it can actually do for an experience. And like, it'll actually end up in the long run, like with the right, signals like it becomes better right and like with the right people thinking about them in the right ways it becomes better but i think it's just i guess i'm not i'm not talking about ads i'm, I'm always talking about like the lack of the experience of organic content for the sake yeah. of organic content like that's what i was thinking about first like it's for like, me it's like it's like if i'm posting something because i like fly fishing my and then it like quote unquote becomes viral or something like that like the actual virality of that is going to be an, to an audience that already knows about the thing that I'm posting about fly fishing. And there's no exposure to somebody that's like, I'm interested in maybe learning, but like, this is not what my timeline is focused towards. Like I'm still going to get pizza slice reviews and I'm still going to get like a dog rolling around on the ground. And you're like, I want to figure out how to retrain my organic content algorithm. And it's like, yeah. it's very, very complicated because there are people and there are tribes and there still is this community based situation, but it becomes like the walls become higher and it becomes much more complicated to start getting into the flow of interesting organic content stumbling across your timeline. This is why I like Twitter, because at least the original, I used the, the reverse chronological Twitter feed, not the algorithm, because they still let you do that. And like, then at least I see everything from the people that I follow. And so it's like, hey, I follow this guy for like stock tips, but also he's a fly fisher. And so sometimes on the weekends, he tweets about fly fishing. And so now I accidentally know some shit about fly fishing. And like, maybe I'm interested in learning more, actually, even though I never really thought about it before. So like, there's still some serendipity, at least within the people for me on Twitter. But it's definitely like, I feel like they're trying to push it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a huge opportunity. I mean, I think that's one of the, the reasons why TikTok is doing so well yeah. is because I mean, it's what you just explained, Matt, is like what happens on TikTok. It's like they know that there's like 9% chance you might like something like I've never watched a fly fishing video, but like your friend that's in your contacts, put this up. Like maybe you want to see that or maybe you want to yeah. see one that's like a funny version of that or like a impressive version of that. Not to say that yours aren't funny or impressive, but like, it's like, what if you call it? My, my fly fishing TikTok is insane. You know, <laughs> like, like, and subscribe guys. 
every week I post a sick casting video. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just want to be able to change my algorithm so I can change my life already. You know what I'm I saying? Do too. That's why I want, I want Elon Musk to buy Twitter so that he'll open source the algorithm or let us change algorithm options or something like that. I feel like that'd be cool. I don't know if that'll actually happen. Who, who do you want to be CEO if Elon buys Twitter? I don't know. Or do you want I mean, Elon I, to run Twitter? I don't know that he would be the CEO. I don't know. Maybe he would for a minute. I feel like the who is CEO is a little less important than like if Elon sets a new tone of values. But I also think a lot of Twitter will turn over in that case. Like that, I'm not sure how the existing team is going to like take to hey, we have we are instilling a whole new value system on this platform. That feels like it'd be tough. And Twitter as a the staff at Twitter, I think are like incredibly left leaning or whatever, which is. It'll be interesting to see it play out. I don't actually know if he's going to buy it at all, but do you, do you have that? Do you have somebody that you're like, I want that. I want that person in charge. No, just my, it's just more of my like thing about, I remember how upset everyone was that Jack Dorsey had two jobs and they were like, we need this guy out of there. And then Elon comes in. He's like, well, what if I have 15 companies and no, I want Twitter too. And like, are you doing an Elon impression? Was that an a Elon? Bit. And everyone was just like, Elon, daddy, yes, buy us. Mm. I think that like the, the buying Twitter is, it's one of those, it's one of those things of like the dogs chasing a car. It's like, what happens when you catch the car? Like, it's fun to watch. Yeah. I really like having worked in the ad tech space and like the ad sales space and, and, eons ago but it is one of those companies that didn't scale but just followed the same model that facebook and google did but that wasn't in fact what that company was and so there is this level of monetization that they've clearly undershot like it's entirely brand building there's no real performance aspects to it and i don't think that like my hypothesis and all the like thinking that i've done about him joining is it's not in fact going to be an ad sales team there's going to be the data that is structured in the Twitter world that is going to be an open API of content for businesses and you can license the content and the, there'll be a licensing fee. He'll turn it into a software business. It won't be an ad sales business. And like Twitter will now just become a place where people like are able to index information or things that are going on on the platform and be able to access that information in real time to make like data decisions. But like, I, I can't see it becoming an ad sales, like promoted tweets platform. If that's what he chose to do to buy it. I think if he doesn't buy it, it'll continue to operate as it currently does. And I don't think yeah. they'll restructure, but like if yeah. he buys it, what he does is build software. That's PayPal. It'll be processing fees. It'll be around the idea of like a much more like B2B experience and less of a, consumer app that's and like, my my concept of it yeah and like paywalls and that kind of stuff i mean i don't think those are necessarily bad things either right i think that some of this change is probably good there i think i read something i can't i'm sorry i can't give you credit because i was told i have to get out of all my other browser tabs but um there was someone this morning that just casted doubt around like part of the thing that was mentioned was wanting a billion users and it's like i just don't know if billion people care about written word or like uh, like a uh, reading, frankly, like not to be get off my lawn. It's like, I just think that like games and visual visuals and kind of like lower friction communication is always going to win out. And you even really can't just like back into like, you know, the, the audio chat and stuff like that. I don't think that that solves for, you know, not necessarily caring about reading. Well, yeah, the, I mean, their biggest characters. product launches, their biggest product launches in like the last like 
year have been like Twitter blue. And so Eric, you're going to have to give us your thoughts on Twitter blue because you're the thought leader among us. And I'm subscribed to your Twitter blue. I'm paying you $5 a month. And then they launched Twitter spaces, Maybe which I, I'm scammed. like, because I don't, I don't not on Twitter blue, and I don't charge anybody. <laughs> get on Twitter blue, Eric. For my tweets, because I need oh, to get this five dollars back right here. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't that. It, it depends. Point like they're moving away from written word because I think that that like, uh, and that's coming from the guy who launched text from last night. Like the whole concept of that was the idea of the snippet, the like reading, the enjoyment, and the consumption of written word, and it's like. That is not how people are consuming content. The consuming content is a scroll. It is not a left to right, like reading experience. And so it's a super interesting platform in that it is news in real time. There's information in real time. There's like the aspects of the platform in terms of scale and what it has to offer and what it can create. And like that level of editorial and like the walls are down in the content world because of Twitter. But is that a monetizable? aspect. Do I need to see Colgate toothpaste in intermixed in my Ukraine war update? Like that, it has always been the thing that you're like, I'm reading Twitter because something bad is happening. I'm doom scrolling. And then when you're like, somebody's like, all right, so like Google pixel phone. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like reading about like some terrible tragedy. And then it's like, the pixel phone is for everybody. And you're like, that is in between two like terrible things. I like it has never made sense as an ad platform for me. I just maybe it doesn't need to be the biggest thing ever, too. I think that Twitter Ooh. just has a tremendous utility as like the bird app that people love. And like it's an incredible communication tool as it is. And I think that product decisions that have gotten them this far definitely weren't easy. And like I don't I, I always get I always have to like tell myself like you don't work at Twitter and you're not a product engineer. Like I don't know. Like I know that these things are incredibly hard. And the fact that like we this is we're still talking about an app that was down like 80% of the time when we first started using it is pretty incredible. So like that part's cool, but and it succeeded where our biggest companies in the world didn't. Like Google Plus did not work. Like Google Plus did not work. They had unbelievable product engineers and it still was like social feeds were facebook and twitter and facebook does not like exist anymore so it is like somehow twitter has still won out in like this insane way where you're like google plus didn't work google wave didn't work google buzz didn't work google whatever the fuck like they tried this so many times like it was google what google whatever the fuck is what i launched and i can see how that one didn't work (laughs) We didn't name that one the way that we should have. You should have hired American Lafayette. Lafayette yeah, American. I Strike that, reverse it. I have Willy Wonka disease. Leave me alone. It's quite right. <laughs> Leave quite me right. alone. I wasn't... It's on the shirt, everyone. It's fine. There, it's it's backwards. I read, bottom, I, read bottom, I read bottom to top. There you go. <laughs> we do have a strategy department, award-winning. So, yeah, anytime you guys want to talk product strategy. listeners, um, it sounds like Twitter lines are always some. open. I mean, we gave away some of our ideas, but if they need more, they can always contact you. Unfortunately, if they want to build them, I have no idea how to do that. So good luck, guys. But <laughs> it's the same. same they got that like, figured out. They got that figured out. Okay. 
We've gone tremendously Eric, Did you see this coming that in, we would go an, over by like 20 minutes this oh, and like this far yeah, and we're not, to the side? And we're not done. And like, I mean, we're exploring, <laughs> we're road tripping. That was part of the plan. So I feel like, did you adequately feel like you covered your legacy auto and charging infrastructure soapbox, Ben? Oh boy. I feel interested in your vision for the future of American road tripping. If that is like... <laughs> If that is in here that was kind of the good i mean really my i don't know how do you want to how do you want to tee this one up in terms of like my the soapbox how does the I mean, soapbox I'm, portion of the of the podcast work well this is new to me i have i feel like you guys brainstorm and fix things constantly i have recently i've started a list where I'm, i believe that we three may be able to solve all of the world's problems by putting our heads together and using the power of like hashtag creativity and business and I'm very interested to see what we can what we can come up with here. I would like to fix movie theaters, and I have I have some strong opinions about this. I'm happy to go first if that is seconded and ratified by you two. I'll second um, that. I'll second. I've got that. a pen. I've got a pen. Yeah. I'll sign it. Next time we'll have a gavel, I guess. So just let me let me know if this is something that Lafayette is interested in. This came up originally. I've been thinking about this for a long time. So when AMC, for some reason, became like basically free at the beginning of the pandemic and the stock was like zero cents, AMC is a Kansas City company. And by the way, and I was like, oh, cool, like someone awesome is going to buy this thing because it's too valuable to just like disappear. But it's four dollars to buy this amazing company and all these assets and all these theaters. And like, what would it look like if Netflix bought? all of amc what would it look like if disney bought all of amc and i started like going down this rabbit hole of being like oh this would be really pretty cool so i can imagine like disney doing that and having special premieres for disney plus content and like actual characters at the things and just generally having them be like clean and like well decorated and stuff, like stuff like that and then amazon for a while was actually in talks to buy amc it, I mean, it didn't happen i guess and who knows if it will now but like I was like, oh, this, that's obviously like discounts for Prime members, uh, early releases of Prime video movies. That would be amazing. I can like pick up shit there because they've got a ton of space. And so they can like have all their Amazon lockers there and maybe grocery or whatever. And they have those cool Amazon Go stores. So like they wouldn't even need staff there for the, you could just like put a little Amazon Go grocery store like in the corner of the theater that's open to the public and serves as the movie theater, like snack thing or whatever. So like, grab and go concessions would be amazing. So there's like the brand brainstorms. The last time I was <laughs> two or three weeks ago, I went to a movie and then afterwards we were getting pedicures and I was sitting at the salon and I was getting a pedicure and sitting in a massage chair. And I was like, all movie theaters should have massage chairs in them. This is a no brainer. And then I just made an enormous list of everything that I think could be improved about movie theaters. So first things first, no horror movie previews allowed, certainly outside the month of October. And potentially, unless there's like an R-rated movie. So no, easy, easy there. You, ca I can't be going to see like Encanto and be watching Halloween 13 movie previews. I'm a grown-ass man and I still don't want to do that. There's, we can't have like Allison who's seven in there. Massage chairs in every seat, obvious, already covered that. If I get a pillow and a blanket when I'm like in a plane, there's no excuse for not having one in a movie theater. First class movie theater treatment, pillow and blanket in every seat. I shouldn't ever really have to leave the audio 
experience of the movie, even if I have to go to the bathroom or get snack refills. There's a few ways to solve that. One is like small snack refills and bathrooms in the back of each theater. And you just put like small screens and speakers inside there. Another is maybe to get like headphones that are like silent disco headphones. And you just put those on. Also helpful if you've got just like assholes in the movie theater. So like noise canceling headphones. Just put me in my own little universe in there. That feels good. Ideal for me personally is like foods spaced out throughout the movie. You can't sit me down with like one big bucket in the beginning, expect me to pace myself through 30 minutes of previews because that's going to be gone by the time the movie starts. So that, that is just, that is out of the, I need different foods delivered. And so if it's, a, it's if an hour and a half movie, I need like snacks every 30 minutes. If it's three hours, I need snacks every hour. So like you can space out those three. That's good. Ooh. You're gonna I'm love, liking this. I'm liking love. this. Okay, we're only halfway Good. through. So, <laughs> there is a question that I, I think solves this almost immediately. Are you just going to tell me is, to stay home? No. Have you been <laughs> to like Brooklyn or what is it? Uh, Texas. What is Alamo, the Al Alamo, Alamo Draft, Draft House? House. Alamo Draft or House. Was I pick, which is mm. in California was like a bad, it was like actually creepy and kind of like, you're like, I, I know What's that this place only here? employs also like this place probably employs like six people maximum. And there's like 15 beds in here and six theaters. So like, I know the caliber of cleaning that these things are going through, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. Eric, I do not want to stop you on this, this train, but I, I do want to interject and say some of these things are, are have and, and remain to be but solved. I, I bet that not at an AMC level, which is um, no, 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 which is important. Right, which, yeah. which, that's important, important fact. But like, also, in, I, in I the, would love to just mainstream. see like, yeah, I mean, I think taking some of those mainstream is an excellent idea. I'm but a continue. Big fan I know you're really halfway there. Big fan of Alamo Draft House. Big fan of iPick. There is there is an iPick in New York, Matt. If you need it, and just take your own Clorox wipes, and you should be, you should be good. I'm just gonna bring a bottle. I feel like it's just an over the top type of thing. <laughs> okay. So the other, the, especially the AMC, I need some healthier foods. I want to be eating through the entire movie <laughs> for, for two hours and 30 minutes. So I need foods that I can eat. You can't give me like a bucket of canola oil and expect that to like, I can't eat popcorn for three hours. So give me some carrot sticks, some celery. There's nothing fresh in those places at all. Some something long lasting and everlasting gobstopper for like the last 30 minutes. Something just help me out there. Much more configuration. That's why the Amazon kind of like convenience store thing I feel like makes sense. Okay, this is now like uh in the noise management category, Faraday cages. Just put them in like I don't need my phone in there at all. And Matt or Ben just learned about do not disturb mode. So like I don't even know what what you're like. So that was the me theater. throwing my phone across the room. Yeah, just yeah, shove it, shove it down there. We could get some some like li former librarians in there. I feel like they're way too soft on the talkers. Just you know, like a cop in the corner, just like writing tickets. I don't need jaywalking tickets, but I do need talking movie theater tickets. It's a much more social disruption that happens there. Um, like Alamo Draft House meets like Delta One is what you want, yes. I think. Because then there's that an air marshal. That's a beautiful pitch. Yeah. Yeah. TSA. So like the casino, I was inspired by casinos for the next point, which is like, the, you know how they up the oxygen level to like keep you awake and like a little hype and keep you playing. 
I think oxygen for sure, or like laughing, light, like a light dose of laughing gas, maybe like elevate my comedy experience beyond what I might experience at home. Really get everybody in on the, uh, on the thing. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, my former right. concert experience, I understand what drugs can do to an experience. Yeah. I get Just that. Just make it part of the environment, like, and no opt out. Like I want everybody in there to kind of, wow. be, yeah. <laughs> That's, we got a clean, okay. we got a clean audio on that one. Matt. <laughs> All, that was all Eric's window is the only one lit up. So we're <laughs> okay. And no opt out. Got it. Everyone's doing drugs. We're all doing drugs here. We all said, yes, we all signed on the dotted line. We all went through TSA. It was in the small, and we're ready to watch above yeah. the door handle. Yeah. Now here we go. Enjoy um, the movie. Now we're in the, <laughs> then the programming category. I want to go for like uh, to see a whole series in a day. Like, let me do like a Game of Thrones series on a Sunday, like one, a 10 episode. I like, I like a whole category of a day pass. So I want like the Nicolas Cage day pass and go from like Con Air, Gone in 60 Seconds, Lord of War, and then Massive Talent. Just like, this is going to be a niche. Maybe that's a niche one, but like there's empty theaters all over the place. There's no reason you can't be doing that. Just throw up a bunch of landing pages, advertise some stuff, see what sticks. People will show up for that. Post-show. Give me some bonus materials, bloopers, light things with the same. You know how like you leave a movie and you're like, now I want to watch that TV episode where Nicolas Cage like had a cameo in whatever Seinfeld or I don't know. I don't think he was ever in a cameo of Seinfeld. This is just what we've been talking about. And then here's the here's the cherry on top of the whole Delta One Alamo Draft House experience because I really like that Ben as a tagline. When you get out to your car, it's been washed and detailed. Wow. Right. Where else do you park reliably for like two hours at a time? Where you're just like, here you go. Here's the keys. Clean it up. Let's take it from there. I have never understood why I have to go to a car wash. I park all the time. Somebody just come like wash my car as an add-on service. While LA, I'm at baby, a place you got to get to Los Angeles. Los they Angeles, I think stop a car wash. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Eric, I this like actually it. could I... this could combine really nicely with what I was kind of thinking about, but my charging infrastructure thing was a lot less baked than yours. But I do think that. Um, a small scale version of this across the country, off, like in off highways in a way that's like almost like pod style movie theater experiences while your car charges. Mm -hmm. And so it's like included with the price of charging. Then you get add-ons like snacks, whatever. It's all through one app. You see when your thing is done, if, but you're not done with the movie yet. You smash the like wash it button and then they, someone comes and washes your car and then they plug in the next guy. I am very curious about the, the, like the existing gas stations of today are not going to be like, you can't spend 30 minutes at a gas station today. You can, if you and go if with takes... 30 people and you're on a road trip, as soon as, yeah. as soon as you, as soon as you stop and someone needs gas, everyone needs something. Okay. Every, I, I know the inventory of every mid to Northern Michigan convenience <laughs> yes. store. I can, I, I name a hostess cake. I can't. I can tell you exactly what we're talking about here. So really yeah, no, like it is an interesting thing in Manistee. That's a good one. That is a good Manistee. one. The charging thing, it does add a level of a time di dynamic that formerly did not exist where it's like charging your car takes 45 minutes or something from zero. And you're like, I have, and sure. Tesla has added YouTube into a car, Netflix into a car at park. But like there is this like very idle time mm -hmm. that is 
you know, you might be next to like a flying J or a pilot, like truck stop, and you can go have like hash browns and then like indigestion, like five minutes later. But like, there's this like extended period of time that I think could be optimized. I actually sincerely think that there is something there. I think it's probably less communal and probably more individualized, but like. So I think this group actually, Eric, when you said that, I'm not going to say I was skeptical, but now I think we could actually all solve this because the, I think programming is really the key to the future of infrastructure in terms of charging for um, at least the, the United States. Cause like, you can have you have now have 45 minute blocks of time that entire families and cars full of people are going to need to um you know account for and it's totally different from what they've done in the past so it's like should amc just become a, a should they like instead of triple down on the movie experience which is becoming different and like you know like that that format might be changing is there like it's the thing everyone always says like should starbucks just become like a big network of chargers but i but what if amc did i mean i think the big winner here could be dave and busters and let me make my case you've been in a car for three hours you've been sitting still you need to move you need some dance dance revolution you need to be like doing things maybe with the people that you're in maybe you want to go solo but you don't want to be like sitting in a dark room when you've been like and staring when you've been sitting and staring so maybe like a little more of an arcade than a movie theater and like anybody can have fun in a David Buster's for 45 minutes. That's amazing. I like, I'm certainly not the audience for what you just pitched, but I like the idea of me driving for three hours and being like, God, I need dance dance resolution. <laughs> 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 I have been sitting, but I have not been pressing forward, forward, back, two sides simultaneously, forward, back. You're not supposed My to hips. sit next to it and play it with your hands. I have yeah. never known how to play this. Then you have just opened a door that I did not know what was going to be behind. I like I this. Feel... I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea of a shoot 'em up time crisis, and then just get right back in the car and pure silence with your children in the back and finish the rest of the ride. Yeah, some air hockey. You get a whole mix of things going. You got plenty of like real estate right off of those. A lot of those exits. Put it up right next to the lion's den. Yeah. Oh god. I think I think there's a lot of like on my like southern road trip. Like I've, I've driven between like here in Miami a couple times, mostly because of the pandemic and also because of a longer story of a friend who would drive his car down every year. And the other thing I think is going to have a little comeback are like those kind of like roadside amusement parks. Mm. Perfect timing. You pull in. There's 15 to like 30 chargers and like. Some people are going to go to the amusement park. They've got like, it's like, you're already doing this thing you have to do. And it's like, how am I going to entertain my kids? It's like, I feel like those are probably undervalued real estate options that are going to probably pick back up or would be smart buys yeah. if you were a real estate investor right now. Those little like putt putt isn't it? kind of things. Yeah. Isn't it crazy in a weird way? Obviously highways have made the interstate travel like substantially faster, but it also killed the small town, right? Like, you know, you've all heard the stories about like Route 66 and like all of these now ghost towns, or you've got like even Michigan Avenue from Detroit to Chicago. And, you know, everyone goes 94 now, but, you know, if there's traffic or whatever. But the concept of 
electric vehicle charging and it take. I mean, obviously what's going to be optimized as charging is going to take on the same amount of time as filling up the gas tank. But the idea that it like reverses back and self-driving cars in these small towns all of a sudden become the real estate and like tourist attractions of their former glory. And you're like, yeah, I mean, self-driving and like highways doesn't necessarily need to exist anymore. We just pull into some small town on route 66 or on these like interstate, smaller two lane highways. And you're like, all right, I can go get a sandwich. I can go putt putt. I can go do whatever at the local cinema that has two screens in it and like get back in my electric car and be like, wow, that small town was really lovely. I wonder where like, I wonder why I'd never heard of it before. And it was because like the eight lane highway that's a half a mile down the road, just like cut off population to it. I think that that's going to be this weird, like rediscovery of small town America, these small charging ports. There is an amazing place between, I'm sure there's a many amazing places so far, but like the one that sticks out to me between Kansas city and Detroit, which I've done this drive now many times, Chillicothe, Missouri is the home of sliced bread. And have not yet gotten off the freeway to find out what they mean, but I look forward to doing that someday. I bet when you got to charge the Polestar, you're going to pull off at the sliced bread charging station. Watch them slice bread. Because it writes itself, right? It it's the best thing since sliced bread, and you have an EV charger right there. Yep. Can you imagine how boring that tour is? They're like, well, <laughs> there was bread, and then we sliced it. And they're like, and then, anything else? And they're like, no. 50 years else. later, we added People the serration to the knife, found that really helped with the crust. That's pretty much it. I love, this is something that I hope we don't optimize and that we keep forever, is the hyper niche, functionally uninteresting museums that exist in small towns. Like something was discovered there and then you're like, this is the museum. And if you open the door and it's like one room and it's like a rock and it's like, this was the rock we found. And you're like, is that rock substantial? And they're like, no. And you're like, that is the, mu that is the museum. That's perfect. Like there's a, there's a museum we drive by on Mele every year. That's this taxidermy museum. And I guarantee I, I never stopped in it. I push for it every year. I think it would be an absolute hit. And by that, I mean a 30 minute interlude into something that's already time crunched and that we don't have time for. But I imagine you just walk in and you're like, that's a bear. And you're like, yeah, that is a bear. And they, that's a whole museum. You're like, there's no stats behind it. You're like, can you tell me what type of bear it is? And you're like, no, we just stuffed it. I don't like, no one picked it up from the taxidermy company. So we made a museum of unclaimed taxidermy that we have. There's one of these in Kansas City that... I have not yet been brave enough to go to. I think it's only one room, but it is a woman who has been collecting the hair of famous people for like her entire life. And it's like dead people, live people, just hair everywhere than like these frames. It's a horrifying Google. I can't, I don't know if I will ever be brave enough to go myself in person, but. Uh, I mean, I only have one yes. question. Like I, it's not that long of a visit. It's like, how'd you get it? Yeah. And then like, if she says something in that museum. Would you be willing to to donate some of your hair to this hair museum? I mean, I would gladly give some of this. I think it would stand out. I think it would stand out even amongst some of the most famous. Stand out. Is it a time. positive thing? Is that a standout? Yeah, no, is it in like it's a nice hair or is it like, damn, that hair is fucked up? No, it's beautiful. Can I tell you a quick side story about I, I've hair has never been my point of pride about myself. There's a lot of things I love about myself, but my hair is not one. Well, now it's quickly getting up there. 
I am not one of those people that would I would consider consistent in my my barbershop visits. I know some people are every three weeks, et cetera. Since moving to the neighborhood that I live in, New York, I kind of like there's two shops and I'm like, eh, there's an appointment or whatever available. I'll go. I go to this new guy to get my haircut. He's the first time his name's John. For, the first time I ever get my haircut, we kind of just like make chit chat, whatever. And at the end of the cut, he's like done. And he's like, Hey, remind me what your name is again. And I go, Matt. And he says next, the line that I think raised my ego to a level that was almost, and he goes, I won't remember your name, but I'll remember this hair. And I was like, what? That's the coolest thing anyone's ever said to me. And now I have a barber. I know I started that story by saying, I don't normally keep a consistent barber. John is my barber now because I won't remember your name, but I'll remember your hair. If that was delivered by anyone other than a barber, I would call the cops. But from a barber, it, it, probably the woman that runs the museum, probably the woman who runs the museum has said this. <laughs> and that was a big day for me. I think I texted everyone I knew immediately after that. And, so, and I was like, because there's, there's like few things more dangerous than a guy after a good haircut. The like level of like swagger and confidence that you have is like insane. You're like taking you like men that have like never taken selfies before, like 70 year old fathers who barely know how to text are like, I got to get a picture of this. And they're like, and it's like a 30 minute, it's like a fleeting thing. It like it revs up and it immediately t comes down. You come back to I earth. Believe, I can't believe women can do this like all the time. They get a blowout and they feel the same, but like they can do that all the time on demand. I've known Ben through a number of iterations of great hair. I know that we're three guys talking about hair. And by the way, good hair across the board. For listeners at home that can't see in this uh, audio-based medium, we're talking to three guys. Nice hair. I'd recommend and, finding this on YouTube if you can. Just for Eric's. I mean, really, look at that. I tried to, I tried right, to organize my hair because I knew it would have to stand up favorably to two other incredible heads of hair. And I just, <laughs> just wanted to be able to hang with you guys in the hair department. You're hanging. You're hanging. You're hanging. Oh, God. Did a full Marie Kondo up there. It's like, keep your shit together for just an hour, hour and a half. Tops. Just just an hour and a half. That's all you need. Trying not to touch it, which is difficult for me. But yeah. So I think we've, we've solved charging infrastructure. I think we've solved movie theaters. Yeah. And honest to God, Eric, I think you might be the most well-researched person in terms of product improvement, which is scary because there are people that own movie theaters yeah. but i think that they still haven't done the amount of research that you have in that like i mean to ben's point about twitter i don't want to make it sound easy i don't know how to do that job i'm sure they're working with razor thin margins i know they only make money on the snacks i would just like to see a little more innovation that's pro probably why i love alamo draft house i feel like they're real movie people i feel like they're really putting their putting their all into something creative and i'm really mostly just disappointed at amc for being like the big dog and doing the bare minimum and I just want to see some more, some more innovation, some more thoughtful. I feel like that's fair criticism though, right? Cause like, it's not like, Hey, redo your entire business model. It's like improve the things you already know are working. Like most of your improvements were around snacks and availability to increase the amount of snacks you can eat in a movie, which does sound terrifying. The amount of snacks you could eat during an entire movie, but they should be embracing this, right? Like it's, that's an opportunity. It's fucking carrots. It's not that hard. Yeah. And drugs. Oh my God. <laughs> We're I, skipping right over the big part, right over the drugs. Was, yeah, the drugs well, I, was that. Yeah, I mean they could I, have a dispensary like, right in the beginning, in the front too. I mean, like 
let's not that's forget strip, that like it's a good strip mall yeah you could also have it so like if you're doing pre-orders of tickets they could say like okay you're gonna watch this movie it's about two hours long take this edible about an hour before and you'll have like you'll have a good ride i like that I, well my fix is a little bit more demonstrative it's the idea of like the large-scale conference and what i mean by that is like the large panel talks at like a ces or god bless them uh, a south by southwest or something like that and the fix is really just stop doing them it doesn't make sense and i think all of us have been fortunate enough to speak on panels and even attend these conferences but the idea of paying for like a 500 dollars pass to sit in an audience to think that you're going to learn about something in my case around the idea of like the future of digital marketing or something and then you have five people up on stage that are like that just say nothing for 30 minutes and it's like almost insane you're like you know the thing about the internet is it's wide open and it's yours for the taking and you're like what does that even mean like i haven't learned anything from that there is so much content that is available through your podcast or through like youtube or like things like that if you actually want to learn about something you can just do it for free and on your own time the idea of paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go listen to somebody say absolutely nothing on stage because they're afraid their PR team is going to fire them. It's in, it like, it's insane to me. It's like, it's so insane. Like go to South by Southwest to go see concerts. Like, let's be honest about what it is. And like, you can go watch a keynote conversation with Jack Dorsey or Elon on Joe Rogan for free. Like, He's going to do three hours. You're listening to him for 25 minutes and he's going to be like, Elon, how do you do it? And he's like, well, we're busy and we do. And you're like, oh my God, I just paid $700 to hear a guy say he's busy. And not to bring this back to something that Ben and I have launched, but this experience with Melee. Yeah. The thing that Ben and I launched with, with Melee Mitten, which was not intended to be like a networking or like a conference-esque thing or anything along those lines. And in it, in it isn't in its title. And I think Eric, you've been to a couple of things like these boot camps or the, like the capital camps and things like that, where you're with people and experiencing impressive people in their actual life, but you're not talking about work. You're like being friends. Those are the conferences that are interesting. The idea that someone young in their career is going to be 21 or 22 going to like a 14,000 person conference sitting in the audience and have their mind blown by somebody is so unlikely and it is almost predatory. Like that is my, my fix of that product is to remove the idea of large scale audience conferences and focus the idea of smaller gatherings with actual experience or actual conversation and have people commit actual time to the conversation. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I've been thinking about that over the last couple of like years and being like, why do these things exist? I like every single time I go to one, I'm like, this is shocking. It's no, I, I think, I think now that that whole thing, I went to South by this year and I found that everyone was kind of like, I can't believe we used to do this because now you're coming off of like three years of listening to really great podcasts, like with people that you jump around, whether it's like the, you really like the host. Cause you know, you just like the way a tall guy sounds on the radio or like you really like the people that are coming on, which like Joe Rogan so is sorry to anyone who's host. still with us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you can go and like listen to, a ton of great podcasts that have people like, I mean, I'll listen to like one podcast just cause I like the guest. I'll listen to like every podcast cause I like the host. And like, mm -hmm. you can do that on a weekly basis on your own time. And then like, 
the thing about, and then you go back to our other favorite thing, Twitter. It's like, you can literally just reply to them on Twitter and say like, I heard you on this podcast. You were great. And they'll probably write back or at least like it. And then you feel pretty good about that. It's like, you go to a conference, like Matt's saying, like you listen to them for 32 minutes, talk about how busy they are and how like their vision for the future is like more magnets. And you're just like sick. <laughs> anything else and then they like that you never see the panelist again because they go out through the back door and they're like ushered into yeah. a town car and they're like off to the airport and they're on to the next thing like it's yeah i agree i think you can basically get all of that and make it easier not just on the listener but also on the person who's like there to speak because like they could do it from their own house yeah i like the focus a, on good call on the podcast eric it's yeah. Well, I like that. I like knowing that people can pause us and insert us into their lives at their leisure. They can speed us up, slow we, us down. Yeah. You can have snacks through an entire podcast. That's the other thing. You can eat at any moment during a podcast. Whereas in a conference, they're going to give you a terrible bagel. Like the, the whole thing is just going to be, it really is like, it is shocking how much, because working on bigger brands and everything like that, you realize like people are sponsoring it. So like there's sponsorship dollars, then there's people paying ticket prices for it. And Eric, sorry if we're, you're launching a conference and we, uh, we're, I'm actively beating you down on this. It's just like, there's, there's so much capital involved in something that could be reallocated, at least in my opinion, in a much more meaningful experience or like something where there's an actual think tank the conversations or at least the panel talks are actually interactive instead of like somebody's hosting that they get through two questions and the, the panel's done. And you're like, Oh, that was the one person I wanted to see speak. And they didn't say anything. Talk. Yeah. Like what is the job to be done of a conference? It's mostly, I think for people to expense like a week off of work and to go like party and commit adultery and like hang out in Austin instead of like sit at their desk and do their job. And so like the relevance, the, the like excellence of the content is like really like an excuse because I totally agree with you though. I, and actually, I think I had this epiphany like at Capital Camp. So Capital Camp is a very well-run conference. It's a small group of people. And every time I have gone, I've gone three times now, They every time there is less and less stage time, I think because they are seeing the exact thing. Like you look around the room and you're like, everyone here just wants to talk to each other and meet each other and interact and like get resorted. And the first year, everyone who showed up at that thing signed an NDA to be in the audience, you had to sign an NDA of whatever was said on the stage. And still everyone who went up there, it was like PR mode, because I think there is no secret that is shared from the stage. Like it just doesn't happen. And so how often are valuable things actually shared from there? Like almost never, like you've got to get in the back room and get in a hallway and that can happen at conferences. But like, to your point, exactly, it could be engineered way, way better. And if I, like I have had thoughts of doing like some super small scale, something that's like way more like Millimitten, I think it's like organized around interests, but still has like some group of people who are like into the same things or would at least enjoy meeting each other for multiple overlapping reasons. That seems cool. And like, I want to spend as much of my life as I can doing interesting things with interesting people who I enjoy and respect and learn from, and hopefully we'll be friends with for a long time. And the more different ways that you can remix that seems super fun to me. Well, the, the funniest, one of the funnier stories, and I, I think Ben will remember this, like 
the melee references, no one really talks about work like on melee. Like you have people from all different walks of life. You know, there's clearly we we bring chefs on the trip. And so each meal is prepared by like a chef that runs a restaurant or something. And they like we do fun challenges where they'll pick up food from like a roadside stand or they'll have some stuff and they'll make something that night. I had a friend who had like bought a camera and was taking photos like the entire weekend. And I think it was the closing party. Like this is to the point that like no one talks about what they do. They just talk about experiencing this fun thing. It's sort of like whitewater rafting in a way. Like no one's going to be like, so what do you do as you're going over rapids? Like you're on a rocket ship and you're just like, all right, keep up. Like no one's going to be like, so like, what do you do for fun? You're like going over like class five rapids. We finish. And this girl walks up to my friend George and is like, so like, how long have you been a photographer? Like, I'd love to see some of the photos that you took of the trip. And he's like, I'm an IP attorney. It was like three days in, four days in. It's like, but you got, she knew George. She just didn't know George with a law degree. Yeah. It's like, that's like a, a really, every single experience that I've had. I mean, in fact, I had drinks two nights ago with someone that I met the Ben and I, I candidly probably met on Mele, Helena, the founder of House, the aperitif brand. Helena was just like on the trip. Like we just were like, oh, I'm friends with Helena. And we were talking yesterday. It's like, I've never really known what she does like for work. Obviously, I know that she's the owner of the brand and she's never really known what I do for work. And like, we know each other. And like, that is the network. That is the experience. I can ask her things from a much more authentic place than the idea of a conference where you're like, deeply trying to give someone a business card and maybe connect with them on LinkedIn and say, I liked your talk. It just doesn't, there's no natural progression of a relationship or a network. And that's what everyone always, Eric, to your point, it's like, oh, I get to expense a party. I get to expense a hotel room. I get to go to dinner. The value is in fact, the spending of the company's money, not (laughs) the, what you bring back from the event. Yeah, this is a principal agent like value proposition. <laughs> so we solved it. So South by Southwest on notice, CES. Stop. No. Stop it. Yes. Especially the Honestly, panels, but brands. also potentially everything else. It's just brands going down there. It's like, you know, just stop with the speakers. There's no, you know, we have enough TED Talks on the internet. And now it's just like, let Lizzo play and like, we'll be, everyone, everything will be fine. The concert, the, what is it? The conference conference again, or a a concert again. Yeah. Make it a concert, make it a film premiere and then have like tech demonstrations or whatever launches maybe. Yeah. Demos only. Gone are gone are those days, but you know, yeah. Find me on, find me on Foursquare. Thank you for fixing that, Matt. I've been waiting for someone to fix that. I can't believe no one has just said stop doing panels before because that was all it took. And now we're good. Everyone can hear this, cut it, cut the bullshit, be done. I'm There's no so excuse much for them hate. to be to still be doing it. You I'm going to get so much hate from people that are like, I just want to go on a vacation. Why won't you let me go to Pebble Beach every year? <laughs> I'm like, no, pay for it yourself. I mean, if you're going to do a boondoggle, like there's better boondoggles than, I don't know, Austin, Texas in the summer for South by like. Pebble Beach is a boondoggle I can get behind. Place is beautiful. Try having a conference in Hawaii. Win a sales award. There you go. Earn your <laughs> earn your company paid vacation. Get in the president's uh, or whatever. Is that what they call it? 
I, every organization has some like insane thing of like the diamond buyers club. And you're like, what? And you're like, you yeah, know, I'm a diamond buyers, president circle, four star salesperson, sales general. <laughs> I'm glad you weren't trying to get to Dallas buyers club. Cause that's what was in my head. I was like, that's a different thing. I just go to the Domino's, <laughs> the Domino's pizza Rolex. That that's the coolest. That's what. I don't want a trip. Just give me the Rolex with the, the company brand on it. it the, like the Air King. It was like the Air, the Air King. King. The Air King. And, and, and it was after 30 years yeah. of work or something. You just got a Rolex. And like Rolex does not do custom dials. And they just have a Domino's one. I love that. It's like the <laughs> it's coolest. The, it's, it's like the coolest one. That's awesome. I wonder if there's, if that's like eBayable. Feels oh, it is. Oh, wait, absolutely. Like 20 is. Grand. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. less than a Hummer. <laughs> you got a Lambo. Less than the, yeah, exactly. Less the down payment. Out. If you can get the down payment back from McLaren, I think that yeah, would be you could put it right there. Okay, I have I have one last set of challenges for this uh, panel of creative excellence. If you guys are up for it, oh yeah, let's do it. Okay, I have been struggling to continue to love the extremely haphazard name and brand with which I started this podcast. So, if you were going to rename this podcast. What do you think? Uh, what what is like swimming around in your brains? <laughs> oh. uh, I mean, I'm going for your name, and I'm just trying to figure out puns. Your your yeah. yeah. I was gonna say like come come on a jorg with me to nope, Ben's earlier nope, point of nope. going for immediate, a walk. <laughs> immediate veto. That is. Let's go jorging. I was I wasn't uh, expecting I think, I think excellence, but I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Come on a jorg. Let's go jorging. <laughs> it's 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 listening to your podcast while moving quickly is in fact a new verb it's, called jorging. The Apple integration should be out by the time you listen to this. So you might notice if you've been walking, it's a little you finish your circle, you will have a, a set for jorg. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's a no. So is that a am I hearing a no or is that a yes? Put a pin in that. He likes okay. it. Okay. Let's put like it in I'm hearing him turn around. I'm hearing him turn around. <laughs> is this, the, this is the agency way. Just sell them on your first idea. It always comes back to the first. That's no, the no, best. No. Everything's going to go down. Not to get inside the sausage here, but the way it's going to work, Eric, is you're going to be... <laughs> I liked it. You're going to be taking a jorg later tonight, and you're going to think, I'm going to call... I'm going to do something with this jorg thing. They're really onto it. So it's going to become your idea. <laughs> and then we're going to be like, you know, I don't know about Jorg, you, you know, I don't know, but if you like it, we could probably comp something up around there. That would be the Jedi mind trick way of what, getting you to I Jorg. Mean, you did just drop a pretty, uh, like, what about inside the sausage? Who no, doesn't want to go that's there? Not, because that's not, that's <laughs> not in fact the saying. So inside the sausage lost me nearly immediately, but also broke me deeply. <laughs> I want to get, I want to get it. But that's ownable IP, Matt. That's ownable. I, I like the idea of being on a panel discussion and be like, I don't want to get inside the sausage with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what Ben uh, just said. I don't think that was a misquote, but God, be wrong. Eric, you should have given me at least 30 minutes because the Jorg came right to the head. Um, <laughs> but I, I've got a Jorg to the head. That's uh, I've, I've got, got some that more. Thing. I mean, I'm, you have a lot of thing, things in your name that I feel like could be punnable. 
but I think you want to go away from the name. Do you not like? Are we talking about Soundbox? What are we? What are we not yeah, liking about the existing the Soundbox? It's. Um, I feel like I have to explain it. It's a pun, but it's a pun that has to be explained, which makes it a, not a super good pun. And it just it feels like I don't know. It's not very descriptive. I find myself ashamed to say the name, the title of it, which I feel like is a good sign that I should probably change it. And I, I have an inkling, but that's what this creative panel is is for. What about like a? What about like Eric Jorgensen experience? Oh, like a direct, like a direct <laughs> ripoff. Did you know that more like the Joe Rogan the, podcast, the top but taller podcasts? and worse? Yeah, no, it's the experience. And so you just want to, you know, it's called borrow with pride. It's not mm. stealing. It's borrow with pride. Do you know that some of the most popular podcasts are called the experience with the person's name? Did you, have you heard this? I think you're ready to okay, do that. I think that everybody gets embarrassed by the name of the thing that they do. It's like you say it enough and you just start to hate it. There's no way around it. Part of the problem is just that I think, especially as it's so close to you, it's like a very, it's like kind of a part of you or you're giving actually a lot of yourself to this. So like, if you don't love the name, even if you do love the name, you're going to say it enough or you're going to have a week where you're like, I don't really like that episode or whatever. You're like, I'm, I'm talking about like the week following this one where you're just like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> week of and, regret. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think that's going to happen with any of them. But what are you looking, what are you trying to convey with the name? Like, what do you want people to feel when you say the name of the podcast? I would like them to understand a little bit more about like what they are getting out of it. Like the sound box is maybe descriptive a little bit, but it's not particularly like, it does not evoke any feeling of desire or clarity about like, oh yeah, no, I want to, I'm interested in exploring that. Or I feel like I could explain that to another person. So the brainstorm that I have is to call, to rename the podcast, Eric has smart friends. And the like <laughs> context would be, I have smart friends. And if you listen to this podcast, you do too. Like I am who I am because I learned all of this from all these other people. And I use this platform to kind of showcase them and bring you into this I, I treat twitter like my digital living room and like a podcast is like the podcast is an extension of that i feel like that is appropriately like not self that's not self-aggrandizing yeah. but like puts the spotlight on guests and people who come in but it still like has enough of my name in there to be like oh i follow that guy on twitter and i'd be interested in the people that he wants to talk to so it is like connected but not spotlighty experiency the Eric show, which is like not my vibe. I think, well, I think, call that's, it, I think that's great. I like, yeah, your... I would just change it to our smart friends. Bring the listener in. Mm. OSF. You could be like, hi, I'm Eric. And these are our smart, smart friends. friends. So Matt two part, is visibly uh, impressed by that, by that idea. I love like the eyebrows go up Two no Botox on this guy. Look, he's got expression up there. Those eyebrows. I'm like, Scott, got... I'm like, I'm like Scott Disick. And hear it from me. Uh, the two-parter is first Ben, nice. Two, that? that name change has to occur after our episode comes yeah, out, oh, um, yeah. because it is a damn lie. At least, at least, like at least in this. So, like this, this is a sound box. sound box. This, this is, is sound box, and then sound everything box. before and after this. This is like an in because most of this is unusable. <laughs> for those listening at home, we've been podcasting for four and a half hours and this is gonna be a 30 minute podcast, but I like our smart friends. I like, yeah, I like bringing, bringing everybody in because I, I want that to be the, the vibe. So you may as well just put that right in the title, yeah. I, I feel think like you solved it. Yeah, 
I feel like it loses a little bit of the like comedy, like the side eye piece, but like that maybe is okay and possibly preferential. The name does not need to be perfect. And this is coming from two people that launched a project called Melee Mitten, and we have run it for 10 years. And Ben and I love the name Melee Mitten. Like, we love it. Anyone who asks, including yourself on this podcast, was like, so is it Mile? Mile Mile Mitten? Like, nobody, there is no name that encapsulates everything that you want from it. It's like, we have it exactly how we want, and it's a nod and a reference to something. But like, yeah. The pronunciation it's like, like grow that at all or like let anybody yeah else it's like in on that it's perfect for you and that's beautiful yeah like and then, less, own door yeah, yeah. i've had text from last night in lafayette american one i have to explain what it is the other one people get <laughs> i love lafayette american because i know this i get where it comes from and it's perfect i love that it feels professional but there's like also a, a detroit secret behind it i appreciate it deeply we love that we love that as no, a hot I mean, dog fan and it also could be located anywhere because there's a Lafayette Street everywhere. So. No, that's a very good point. He was a rather influential guy, that Lafayette guy. Yeah. And thanks to Hamilton, he's got some, some more of the spotlight again. Who One of the many good rap? things that, that Hamilton has done for us. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> what else can we Look do for here today? What are, do you want anything else named? Do you got any this other... <laughs> This wasn't intended I mean, to be a free, a free consult, but it worked out incredibly. No, no, no. It's, I, was, I was expecting us to land somewhere like inside the sausage or come on a jorg, but we ended in a much better place than that. <laughs> well, now that you're bringing those back up. Jorg still sounds like it's good. <laughs> it's like kind of an earworm, actually, if you want to get into it. And it's uh, it's ownable. I mean, really, you could <laughs> you could trademark a lot of quick Honestly, that come one. on a jorg could be the subtitle of our smart friends. Come on a jorg. I think that I think do. you you get more SEO than you think because the hardest thing is going to be the non misspellings of like did you mean jorg when people are typing let's go for a jog that's going to be hard to own but I think the the people who just are kind of a bit missing yeah. some dexterity are going to come right to the right place. Eric, quick question, quick follow up. You know, in your thirty plus years of life, has anyone given you that? joke as to your name um has anyone said not, not, like often, not often <laughs> no it's not a i don't hear that one a lot um and that's a little there were like you four years it. of my life where i went by jorgo like that was basically my name so that was right on the surface for for a long time oh so that kind of like was a twist of the knife you went back you retreated from jorgo mm-hmm. and then i said come on a jorg and you were like don't bring up the past the past is the past matt no, I was. And then was, instead good of good years, the Jorgo years were good years. That was that's okay. Jorgo, I've got fond memories as as that, that alter ego. Speaking of speaking of nicknames, and I know that we're at the end of this this uh, this conversation. I thought about announcing a disclaimer at the beginning because Ben doesn't refer to me by my actual name, and so I was going to be like, I was like, so just so everyone knows at home. Like if I say Ken, I'm actually talking about Ben. And if Ben says Perry, he's talking about me. Like we don't, I have never like, there's very infrequently I call Ben, Ben. And I don't think he's ever called me Matt. So that's a. Call him Matt a couple times, but normally it's either Perry, Pete. It's just like, I don't know where all those came from, but (laughs) one day I just was like, he kind of feels like a Pete. (laughs) Hey Pete. Yeah. So we didn't have to cross that bridge. I just wanted to. 
I wanted to get you inside the sausage, Jorgo. <laughs> I love love to be inside a good sausage. Appreciate you guys including me. Problem with thank you the for problem semi, with like being on explaining that. Yeah, the problem with being on a podcast hassle. where like it looks and feels kind of like Zoom is I keep forgetting that like we're recording this for like a purpose, <laughs> and I just keep thinking that we're just all hanging out like back at Sapino, like where we kind of had this idea we should do a podcast, which is also giving exactly what we thought it would but yeah i just want to apologize to once again the editing team everybody back at the studio the um the audience yeah. mostly the audience yeah our presenting sponsor gm nissan and ford yeah. our friends at marriott bonvoy our preferred dessert sponsor milk bar and let's not forget getting inside the sausage with johnsonville <laughs> And if you don't have a big, if you can't afford a big sausage budget, you can at least get a millspecauto.com Hummer. With promo code JORG. <laughs> JORG22. $30 off 30. on your deposit of $100,000 for a $300,000 off. It's a good deal. It's an incredible deal. Better than free. Be sure you list me as your referrer. Because I get a fifty and the recipient back, <laughs> and the recipient when you the when you purchaser go to... and the shipping address is. <laughs> I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. This is all about laughing and learning, building leverage, and compounding our faces off. What our brains aren't evolved to comprehend is how much leverage is possible in modern society. There's a revolution going on, man. Uh, go pay attention to it. Get a part of it. Get exposed to it. You're going to make money along the way. You're going to have fun. The call to adventure. This is the new form of leverage. Take a few quiet moments for yourself. Breathe deep and be well. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. <laughs>